What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. It was a hell of a run for Lyle, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, good to see your smiling face again. I don't know if I'm smiling, but no, you're, I'll take it. You're leading forward-looking, uh, disgruntled, white old man face again. Yeah. Got a little sun down in Florida, though. That's Got a good. lot of sun down in Florida, for sure. What are we, John Kincaid, taking a vacation during, like, the biggest week of Atlanta sports? Idiots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in our in our defense, like, what are we going to do, a recap after every game? It's kind of tough. Yeah, especially with our, you know, insanely busy schedules, Adam. It's just hard <laughs> to find any time while we're at the beach to, to talk some Atlanta sports for, like, even just 20 minutes. I mean, we, we had a lot of stuff going on, walking to the beach and then... To the tiki bar, back to the house. Right. Getting in the ocean. To the grocery store. Yeah, going to the beachside tavern. Right, yeah. yeah. Eating seven hot dogs. God, way too many hot dogs. For, for those of you out there that like hot dogs, like I do, um, I'll let you know there's a limit. I think I had, let's see here, I had, I had two there the first night we went there, two there the second night we went there, uh, two for dinner one night with the burgers and then one for lunch seven hot dogs in like four or five days that'll start to uh wear on your stomach though and your heart <laughs> i could just feel like the hot dogs just like twirling around in my heart for <laughs> i hope they were undigested just twirling around yeah, in your heart a couple days so i've worked my way through those hot dogs that that's the good news um but the bad news graham the Hawks are out of the playoffs, and now yeah. we have to we have to have the show that we're so used to um, on the radio. They call it the day after. We do it the week after, whenever we want to after. Uh, but you know, this one doesn't feel. It's not. It's disappointing, but it's not heartbreaking to me, just because it was such an overachievement. But at the same time, you know what I always say: when you get there, you need to take advantage of being there, and it's not easy to get back. Yeah, I think context is king here, though. I think unlike the Braves, right? Let's just consider the roster. Because the Braves lost in the 2020 NLCS and the Hawks lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's the same thing in both sports. It's the penultimate round, right? So with the Braves, you have Freddie Freeman. You have Ronald Acuna Jr. You had a lineup one through nine that was lethal. You had the best bullpen in baseball. You had a ravaged starting rotation, but you had so many strengths in other places that that opportunity should have been taken advantage of 100%. And the 3-1 lead. And the 3-1 lead. Now, if you compare that to the Hawks, Hawks are banged up, already missing you know, DeAndre Hunter going into the Philly series. Bogdanovich is playing on one leg. You know, Trey gets hurt. Uh, other guys aren't performing up to, up to snuff in, in many of these games against Milwaukee. And so I'm not – I sit here to say I agree with the sentiment, but I also think context is very important here, and I think the Hawks just ran out of steam because of these injuries. But I will say I think we would have won the damn thing if Trey hadn't gotten hurt in Game 3 because we were in control of Game 3, but once he tripped over that official, it just all went to shit. It's not like the Bucks were out of the game, but we were in control, it felt like. So that, that's the frustrating thing for me is just the injury thing, man. Oh, what a true to Atlanta way for that to happen as well. Tripping over a damn ref, your best player. Yeah. Like, that's that's just brutal. And, and keep with the context, keep in mind, 
the, the thing that does make it a little more disappointing, they didn't have Giannis, their best player, for the last three games. Right. And they figured out how to, like, they kind of did what we did. They figured out how to move the ball around, play as a team, hit shots, and we just completely fell apart on the defensive end. Particularly. Which was very surprising. Particularly in game five, um, when we were just out of it, seemingly from the get-go. Terrible interior defense. I mean, Brooke Lopez looked like Brooke Lopez from five or six years ago. He finally remembered that he's like seven feet tall. Clint Capella looked like a shell of himself. John Collins just wussed out in that game. That was that was frustrating. But still, Adam, I mean, overall, when you look at this run that, that the Hawks went on, it's incredible. Um, no one thought it would happen, and we've all heard all you know the, the stories. But to actually be able to be playing basketball in July – going through this long playoff run of about five weeks um, that captured the city's heart in a way that I don't think the city's been enraptured by a team like this since the 91 Braves, like I was saying on the last podcast. It was a special experience. And given that all of these guys were part of the core of the team are you know nowhere close, I don't think, to, to reaching their ceiling. And I include Trey Young in that. That's the most exciting thing about it to me is that – these guys are still developing. And you look at what Cam Reddish did coming out, hadn't, hadn't played for, what, two months or something? And then the last game hit six three-pointers, even though we lose. It was still like, oh, my God. You just see the potential all over the place, even in a loss like that with specific players. And that was another thing, too, is that the so many people stepped up over these playoffs. Trey obviously stepped up the most. But, you know, you also had a guy like Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter offensively won game seven against Philly. You know, John Collins, even though he faded and had an inconsistent series, also had big games against Philly. Um, the list goes on. Lou Williams had his moments against the Knicks, against the, the Bucks, the Bucks yeah. in Game Four um, when Trey was out. So it was truly a team effort. It was the most exciting basketball we've watched in probably forever, and this is now officially the greatest Hawks team in franchise history because they won two games in the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's a lot to hang your hat on here. Yes, it's a little disappointing, but man. The future, is, I think, is far brighter for this organization than we ever realized coming into this season. I mean, we thought it could be bright, but now it's contextualized, man. They, they, they did what we, you know, they achieved more than what we ever thought they could do. But the fact that it all happened now was so crazy, especially after the year they had, uh, which, which sucked at the beginning, as we all know. So, Yeah, and in case, I, I suppose we should say this, in case you were Hugo and get all your sports knowledge strictly from our podcast. Uh, we lost the series to the Bucks, four games to two. Sad, Hugo. Yes. Very sad that that happened. But yeah, Graham, it was a battle. It was a special season. Atlanta really did embrace them. It's unbelievable the people that I had reaching out to me, asking about the game. Uh, mainly my mom, who's not, you know, not the biggest of sports fans in the world. She she left a dinner party. Saturday in order to go watch the Hawks game by herself. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, she got made fun of by the other three people at the dinner party. Proud of her for holding strong because it's a pretty unique thing to have your hometown team playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Way to go, Cindy K. Yep. So that that was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a team like this is something a city can bond over. And it is, you know, it sure feels like the beginning. Especially with, like you said, with all the injuries. With Bogey running around on one knee. 
Trey limping on one foot at the end of it. He had the shoulder thing in the Sixers series as well that he was dealing with. Uh, Cam Reddish, who hadn't played since Valentine's Day, comes out of nowhere. And, like, I I had written Cam Reddish off, like, um, after seeing what he was at the beginning of the season. And then it's like, holy crap, this guy could be the best of them all. Like, he's a real talent. Yeah. Um, we, we see what we have in DeAndre Hunter. This is a masterpiece of how to build a team. It's not, not just a matter of getting the most talented on paper players, a la Ben Simmons, a la uh, Joel Embiid. It's getting players that mesh together, complement each other, and uh, that's how you build a really fun team that's hope, hopefully going to be really good for the future. All that being said, are you looking to dive too much into this series? No, we can, we can talk about it, yeah. I mean. um, well, I'm going to future look a little bit here first, Graham. Okay. Because interesting thing about this, I mean, NBA playoffs is normally done in June. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here July 7th and our offseason just started. And we got huge questions already. The first question that fortunately has been answered already is Nate McMillan is back. Uh he, they went ahead and signed him to a four-year contract, I think, on Monday, two days after the end of the season. So that's great that that's not hanging over our heads for multiple weeks. Um, you know, as you like to say, the proof is in the pudding. With what he did for this team, the consistent presence he was, the experience, um, and he, even proven that, like, you know, his one knack was that he doesn't win the playoffs. I think he proved that that's not a real issue at all. It's good to have him leading us for the next what's a really important couple, two, three years. Four-year contract. Four-year contract. But yeah, these next two, two, three years are crucial because as it's already been talking about, I think Bogey was out there already talking about how hard it is to keep a core like this in place. And this is where you are, are you already getting to the, needy, the nitty-gritty of contracts and who you're going to pay, who you're not going to pay. So obviously John Collins is the big question. Trey's probably getting a max exten- extension this summer. So... Sitting here July 7th, after seeing what happened in the playoffs, are you giving John Collins a max contract? No. Okay. But I would say this. I want to approach this because we've, we've talked this to death. But now now we have... Now, we, now it's here, though. Yeah. So I want to put it into a slightly different context. I've been thinking about this the last couple of days since the series wrapped up. Are you paying for what he's done or are you paying for what he could do? Could John become a better player than he is now? And if he can, could he potentially be worth the max contract? To me, this is a weird situation because John's still, what, 24, 25? Like I was saying in our intro, no player on this roster has peaked, I don't think. Maybe Capella, in terms of like where he is right now. That's kind of the player he is. But everyone else has a higher ceiling than where they're at now. So... If you were to give him a max contract, is it worth it if you think he can become a max type of player? Carl Dukes on 92.9 The Game, uh, I love the way he put this the other day. He said like one of his mentors in the radio business told him one time, if you have to even ask that question of a major decision, is it worth it? It's the wrong decision. That's fair. You know, it's like a no-brainer. Trey, yeah, obviously. Right. Give him as much money as we can possibly give him. But... We don't want to be looking back two, three years from now with this John Collins contract and a guy who he can't create his own shot. I think that's crucial. But that's and, not to say he can at some point. He Okay, he could possibly. Because remember, he couldn't shoot the three at all. And then he became a 40% three-point shooter. Right. So 
I'm he, just saying. He, he not, could improve upon that. Yeah. But for me, I was not buying in to John Collins after he just did not show up in those games when Trey Young was out against the Bucks when we needed him to be a number one scoring option. But, Adam, I would also counter with this. John is not that kind of player on this team where he fits in. His usage rate was down this year because he was not the number one or not he's not the number two guy on offense anymore. The way the offense is constructed, it's for players that don't really fit in as much with his skill set. He doesn't get as many looks. Um I mean I hear what you're saying, but I don't I don't think that's like a fair expectation to say that John Collins is the number one scoring option without Trey Young. But I guess you could say it's fair if you're considering trying to give him a max contract. Yeah, he started like over nine from the field. Yeah, I mean, did nothing. He didn't have a horrible like. Well, it looks better that like if if you're just looking at box scores. Yeah, but if you remember watching that game, like that that was the one when we were down like twenty early. Oh, game game uh, five. Yeah, yeah, that was a frustrating game, and I was more upset with his inability to get rebounds. Oh yeah, because because he was. You know, remember there were a couple times in that Philly series we got crucial offensive rebounds, and yeah. he just was not doing that in the later the latter games, which was frustrating. Um, you know, Capella had a bunch of big offensive rebounds in the last in the last game, I thought, but it wasn't enough. Whereas John just wasn't wasn't getting the position, and he, and he did not show up defensively, and that that was frustrating. So there is a chemistry issue, I also think, with John. It's been established. You know, I don't know if you read the Chris Kirshner article about how he's the heart of the Hawks and all this stuff. I mean, you also have to consider that. And maybe as uh, you know, unanalytical as that is in terms of just looking at the core of the the player. But I mean, I think as you were mentioning earlier, this team has really good chemistry. So if you were to let Collins walk, um, can you rebuild that chemistry that will be lost? Who knows? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's and let's let's not harp on this for too long, but I I will say I agree with that, hundred percent. And you don't want to like have this all this momentum going from this run, and then lose a lot of it because losing a guy like John Collins, we're not going to be able to replace him. So definitely give him a competitive offer. Sure. If there's a team out there that wants to throw the bank at John Collins, obviously we would have the right to match that, being a restricted free agent, mm-hmm. but competitive offer. But we we can't. As Tony Ressler has been talking about this week, like, yes, of course, we love these guys. We want to keep them all, but you still have to run a good business. Yes, and you have to also think about the deficiencies you had in the series. John Collins, even though he played a huge role in games here and had big games, I mean, 23-15 and 15 in, in game one against the Bucks. I mean, that, that's nothing to sneeze at. He had big games against, in the Philly series, two multiple double-doubles in that series. So it's kind of like, but at the same time, he was a defi- there was a deficiency on defense at times with him. He did not score as much as you'd like him to score, even though he's not the second or third option on the team. So it's kind of like you have to clean that up. If it's a thing between saying, we'll give John Collins a shit ton of money or I can maybe try to trade for somebody who is a better player or something like that or sign a free agent who's a better player. Like I know Kawhi Leonard is the only free agent pretty much worthwhile other than Chris Paul this year. I don't know if we're going to get either one of those, but if I had a shot, even a remote shot at Kawhi Leonard and it was between him Getting John Collins back, sorry, John. Quiet Leonard's a damn superstar. That takes you to the next level. You win that series if we have Quiet Leonard kind of thing, you know? Sure. So we'll see what happens with John, but I agree. I don't want to I don't want to pay $120 million for five years of John Collins. 
as much as I love John, I have a shirt Z for Christ's sake. Yeah, I mean, and then if DeAndre Hunter or Cam really pop into uh, all-stars slash superstars in the next year or two, then we can't afford them, you know? Right. So it's... Particularly Hunter. I think Hunter, I mean, I know Cam has showed up big in this postseason, but Hunter, if he can get healthy again, dude will be a force. I mean, we saw he was the second best player on the team when he was healthy. Yeah, so I think that's it for John. I think, you know, the big thing also from this week, I think, was wrestlers saying if we need to, you know, go into the luxury, get the luxury tax and go over the cap and stuff, and so be it. He's like, I don't want to do that forever, but if it makes us a better team, then, yeah, we'll do it kind of thing, which I, I love to hear. Sure, and as an owner, you, you have to say that. Like, you can't, especially coming off this uh, this run, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're good with where we're but at. I believe him. Oh yeah, I mean, I 100% believe him. You can like, you can tell no one was satisfied with making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, and there's there's a lot of pressure on this team now. That's for damn sure. You can't come out and and they're not no one they're not going to sneak up on anybody next year. No, no, we're going to be prime time games next year. Uh, people are going to be preparing for us. It's not going to be benching LeBron when they play the Hawks anymore. So it's it's going to be a different look for sure. But yeah, gr- great to hear that from your owner. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, it, it does sound like Schlenk has final authority on all these roster positions. So, you know, if Schlenk says we need John, then I'll believe him. Yeah. If he says we can fill it in. We've got everything we need on the roster. We just needed to get healthy. Um, I mean, you got to love what you saw from Okongwu. I was about to say, we need to talk about I, Mr. I, Onyeka Okongwu. I, I mean, I, I definitely, I, now that you've seen it in playoffs, I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to think Okongwu can easily step in to John's role. I mean, he doesn't have the three-point shooting from the corner. No, I don't but, think. I think he's a year or two away from that. But but I, I think was, he could develop it. He's a. I would say right now, though, you could argue he's a better defender. Oh, with how he how yeah. he. Perf- I mean, John performed decently on Embiid, but I was really impressed with how the guy's fast as Giannis. Even though Giannis certainly got his in the series, Okongwu went step for step with him with in his rookie season with one of the better players in basketball. I would say. 100% the best driver to the hole kind of kind of player in the NBA. That dude is a runaway freight train. Yeah, I guess that was probably what game, I can't remember if that was game two or three, but when they really started giving Onyeka big-time minutes on uh, Giannis, you could see, like, he was clearly better than Clint Capella trying to defend him. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Like, his instincts are just unbelievable, and he's got that 7-1 wingspan. Um and for him to come out in his rookie season doing that in the Eastern Conference Finals, it's like, we got something here. Yeah, and like we talked about in the Philly series, displays aggression at the basket. Also started to develop a little bit of a floater in the Eastern Conference Finals, which was nice to see. Yeah. Um, to diversify his, his, his game in the paint. Um, love what we got from Gallinari this series. I know he kind of – or just this, this playoffs in general. I know he kind of struggled a little bit in the, the Knicks series, but – the Milwaukee and Philly series, he's pretty damn solid. Yeah, it was like, just that's what we're looking steady for. Steady as hell. Yeah. yeah, and Bogdanovich even was able to get you know get going in that that Milwaukee series as well, which was good to see because I know that that was frustrating seeing him just struggle like hell out there. You know, he was giving his all. Um, looking forward to getting the guys healthy again. I mean, that was such a. I mean, I know we've talked about it to death, but I just I can't wait to go into next season and, and have a healthy Bogdanovich, a healthy uh, you know even Capella was banged up there at the end. Uh, healthy Capella, healthy Trey, um, healthy Cam Reddish. You know, the list goes on. 
you know, getting everybody healthy again, coming out, ready to go, having this mindset with Nate McMillan now, coming out of the gate strong, and have a consistent season. Like, we can have a consistent season, and, you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, people are also talking about, it's like, well, if you don't make the Eastern Conference Finals next year, is it is it a failure? And it's like, I don't think it's really a fair thing to say at this point because we don't know where this team will be next year. We could have some more devastating injuries. We could lose guys for the rest of the year. I don't know. You know, I don't think we can really say right now. No. Um, you know, your immediate, your instinct is to go, oh, yeah, of course, that's the problem. But we don't know. We have to just wait till we get to the playoffs next year and see where we're at. Yeah, I mean, on, on paper, if you bring back John, if you bring back Lou, Lou seems to want to come back to Atlanta. I think most people would want to see Lou Williams back, without a doubt, backing up Trey, not only for what he does on the court, but also uh, his mentorship to Trey and Okongwu was apparently huge. So bring back Lou, and then we just needed like a banger. Like yeah. Bobby Portis? I like a Bobby Portis oh, type. That dude. That's what we need. Well, he was physical inside, good three-point shooter, good defender. I mean, he was, he was just a, uh, he was a terror. He was a terror on the interior. So like, I, there's going to be like some veterans out there. Like, they're going to have to come pretty cheap, but like, we could get a guy like that and just like add to the depth. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to solidify the front court and the back court. I think those are the, I think particularly the backcourt is our weakest area defensively, so I'd like to get maybe even one. I know Chris Dunn might be back. Chris Dunn should be back. It's a, play, it's a player option, so he has the option to come back or not. He'll, he'll be back. I don't know if he'll be used, though, but I'd like to get better defenders or, or just more defenders on the perimeter but we or, got, or in the backcourt and on the interior. But we got that already in Cam and... No, no, I'm fine with the wings. Uh, like, Cam is on the wing. DeAndre's on the wing to me. I'm right. talking about, like, point guard, shooting guard... And then the four and the five. Even though I like Capella and Okongo, I think they're good. And Capella can play shooting guard. Okay. I, mean, I, I, sure. feel, I feel like it, it. I mean, if we if you had Cam and Hunter, our uh, perimeter defense would have been fine. It would have been better, but Trey's still a liability. Lou's still a liability. Well, they're always going to be liability. I know, but it would be nice to have a backup point guard that wasn't defensive liability. Sure. Lou held his own. Oh, Lou's Lou, Lou, fine. Yeah. I and mean, Lou's a good player. I wouldn't. You can't, you know, sit here and say I don't want Lou Williams back. So you're a big Chris Dunn guy after watching him. No, like, I'm not a big Chris Dunn like guy. He, he was a liability on offense. Oh, oh yeah, God. he's terrible yeah. offensively. I remember this one play. He just like threw it off the backboard or something. Like he was drunk out there. I mean, his defense, like, he, he hasn't played all year. Um, right, but even still, it's just at least like he the, could bring it up the court. But yeah, good um, God, like, I, it's like you could tell that was not the answer. No, no, and and uh, but yeah, getting a guy like a Bobby Portis would be nice. Someone of that that ilk. Um, because we, we did struggle in the paint. Uh, teams feasted on us in the paint. Even though I know Capella is like a, a solid defender and he's the rebounding champion of the league this year. It's still like we need more help down there. Yeah. We need Zaza Pachulia. Zaza Pachulia. In his prime. Yeah, let's rewind the clock back to like 2010. I mean, there's like a reason Zaza. he was on those Warriors teams that won championships. Yeah. Like you need a guy like that. Yeah, it was to get rebounds and draw fouls. and Yeah. Ivan yeah. Johnson. Ivan Johnson was a psycho. I love that guy. Yeah, we, we need a psycho on this team. Yeah, we do we, need. A, we got a lot of nice guys. Yes, we need a psycho. We need one psycho. Yeah, I'm but, totally in favor of that. But besides that, at least, I mean, at least it's not like the Braves and Falcons where we need a lot of stuff. You know, right? The roster is there. We're not like, I mean, although I mean, Lou and John. I'm mean, not Lou, but John is a huge question mark. But like, right. if we lose John, I'm not. It's not the end of the world. I'm not worried. It's not the end of the world on paper. Yeah. You, you don't know how it'll affect the team mentally. 
and you wonder about who slides in there. Is Okongu ready to slide in there and be the, the front court running mate with Capella? But either way, we'll be okay, I think. Sure. Um, and that opens the door, like I said, to make a run at someone who could be a, a superstar. I don't know. We'll see what Schlenk's going to do. But Schlenk apparently said August is when John Collins negotiations will begin. So It's exciting that all this, like, I think that's helped make it a little easier for me. It's like, the season's like three months away. Like, we're, we're going to be crushing in Summer League, Graham. I'll tell you that much. Cam's going. Skyler Mays. Skyler Mays is going. Um, your boy Nathan Knight is going. I like Nathan Knight. Okongwu's going. Good. Like... And I mean that's like a month from now. Yeah. So I mean that that was the other thing with Okongwu's development. He didn't get to do summer league. None of these guys did last year. So. Um, yeah, that was the crazy. And I think thing. the draft is very soon as well. So whoever we draft will be there as well. Right. And that's the crazy. If thing we draft too. anyone. Right. But that's the crazy thing too when you think about Okongwu. I remember we were both kind of critical on him at the beginning of the season. Yeah, because we didn't know anything. Well, we didn't know anything, but it was also I think we were also forgetting that you know he had no summer league. He had no training camp. You know, you're drafted during a pandemic and all this shit, and you can't really be with your team. I yeah. mean, that's got to have a detrimental effect on your development. So, can't. And we saw over the year, he got more aggressive, understood the flow of the game a little better. Um, that was another thing we really missed with Trey. One thing I, I will say this about Trey I absolutely, I mean, you saw this more than any other time during the year because of how much better the defense was during the playoffs, but it's like he'll kill you in three ways. He'll get around whoever's guarding him and do his little floater, or he'll get around whoever's guarding him and, and do a uh, alley oop. He can also cross you over and shoot the three. That's the third, and then the fourth. He can also penetrate and kick out, and he was just doing that really well, particularly the floater and the alley oop throughout the entire playoffs. I mean, it was flummoxing defenses, even in series. You know, like the Philly series went seven games. It was still very effective the entire time. They couldn't figure out how to do it, and they had good defenders. Yeah. Um, and I think the only reason that he got limited or that he wasn't as effective in that last game is just the damn bone bruise. Yeah, he wasn't healthy at all. Even, he was even taking Drew Holiday to school as one of the better defensive point guards in the league. Do you think we would have been better off that game if he didn't play at all? Potentially, because I think early in that game, it was very clear that he was not himself and he was playing a little tentative. And I think that sort of... But, I mean, it was close. The first half was was close, so I don't think it... It was ugly, man. It was ugly, but it was it was still a close game. Right, so I don't think that killed us. But it, truth be told, we might have been better off not keeping Trey out. But I know he was. You know, you'd have to like, I don't know, knock him out chloroform to keep him out of that game. He was going to play no matter what. And you got to respect a guy for wanting to come back and, and and do all he could to to try and get us over the over the hump there. Yeah, that damn that damn third quarter got outscored forty four twenty nine. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, you do got to love how that team like because we were down big in that game, and once again they keep battling. It's like like you said, someone else every night. It was great to see Cam doing that. Yeah. Out there just smiling the whole time, mm-hmm. loving life. He, he's got a pretty shot, man. I'm telling you. Like I said, Duke, I remember when he made that three-pointer against Florida State, the buzzer to win. I was like, this guy's got this clutch gene. And he stepped in for Zion. Zion was out that whole game with an eye injury. And Cam came in and carried Duke to that victory against a good Florida State team. I was like, okay, this guy, I, I like him. He, yeah. he, can, he can do some stuff. And he was doing it on both sides of the court. I think, you know, we haven't even seen what Cam Reddish is capable of. Man, it's tough looking at some of these box scores from that game. Herter, yeah. 2 of 10. Herter really faded down the stretch. He was a minus 22 overall, and then Trey, 4 of 17, 0 for 6 from 3. Yeah. 
And it, you know what? Uh, it was funny. I kept seeing on Hawks Twitter. I mean, people are like, God, I'm so exhausted. Like, I love watching all these games, but it's just like, it's like relentless. You know, you don't get any time. Just imagine what the players are feeling like. Oh, yeah. It'd be absolutely drained. Yeah. It, it kind of sucks in like those first rounds. There'd be like three days off. And then like the Eastern Conference Finals, it's just every other every day. Every other day. I don't know why they, well, I guess because there's fewer games. So it's, it's just all TV shit. Like, it's not thinking about the players at all, you know? No. It's like, well, we got to have a game on every night. Right. You can't you can't uh, lose your audience. And that... Like, we, I mean, we certainly could have used a couple nights off. Yeah, I think everybody could have. All the teams. I mean, you think about it, Phoenix is really the only team that's really healthy. That's... I mean, obviously, the finals, there's only two teams left. But, you know, Giannis, you know, he played in game one last night. He's still not 100%. Um, Phoenix is the only team that was really healthy throughout the entire postseason. Yep. So... It's a lot, a lot of luck involved. Yeah, and that was something that run. everybody was mentioning. Schlenk mentioned that. Wrestler mentioned that. Uh, Trey mentioned that. Herder mentioned that about how, you know, there's got to be some luck involved in terms of getting to the finals and winning the thing. you gotta you got to win the injury war, and that's a pure luck thing most of the time. Yep. What? No, nothing to hang your head about, no, Graham? No, this is not like that Braves, that, that time last, last year the Braves lost to the Dodgers. It wasn't like you know, this golden opportunity is just lost forever or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I think even if we had beaten the Bucks, the Suns would have beaten the shit out of us. I mean, they're playing so well right now. Um, maybe not, but yeah, they're just so much so much healthier. They're just firing at all cylinders. I certainly wouldn't count this team out. I wouldn't count them out. I just think we would lose. But who, you, you, know, you thought that every series except the Knicks. And in fairness, you only were wrong once, the Sixers. Right. Although I was also, I also said we'd beat the Bucks. I said we went in. Oh, seven. so you were wrong a lot more. That's yeah, good. Uh, I said we we went in seven. I think we fucking would have if Trey hadn't got hurt. But whatever. True. Enough of of hypothesizing and. It is what it back. is. Yeah, exactly. Got to accept reality. Yeah, unfortunately, but hell of a run by the Hawks. Yeah, everybody should be very happy with this team. I saw some loser post on Twitter who was like, "This is just we'll never do this again. This is a complete failure by the organization and all this stuff." And I was like, what "The hell is this guy?" It's like, did you honestly expect us to do this? Did you honestly, was your expectation we're going to win the NBA Finals this year? I mean, if I'm being honest, we're kind of trending up Atlanta sports-wise. Like, the fact that that's two years in a row we make one team makes a run to the uh, conference finals or right. whatever. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that doesn't happen. We hadn't had that in 15 years. Yeah, I mean. Well, that's not true. Falcons. The Falcons, the Hawks did it before this time, too. But, yeah, to have two teams do it back-to-back, I don't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Yeah. So. I do have to say, I enjoyed, I watched Saturday's game at Midway Pub and EAV, and it was just like, that, well, first, I, I got a little angry because I had a great spot outside on the patio, and there's a sign saying that that TV was reserved for Atlanta United. Oh, get the fuck out of here. I know. And, and that's how I struck up a conversation with this Philly guy next to me because I was, like, complaining about it. I was like, like this is an Eastern Conference Finals versus a regular, regular season. season. MLS. Just... And the, the, we'll talk Atlanta United, folks. We said we never do. A last place team, Atlanta United. And you still want to come watch this loser team over the – I mean, I, you're supporting your team. That's good. This is we get, we gave you crap, thinking you wouldn't support a losing team, and we're wrong. People are still there to watch the United, but everyone wanted to watch the Hawks too. Yeah, but they had like every other TV on Hawks United, whatever. But it was such a true to Atlanta day because at that bar, I watched the Braves lose, 
I watched the United lose, and then I watched the Hawks lose. True. To Atlanta. And, like, the other, there was, like, some Euro Cup something or other going on, and the people I was there were there to watch Uruguay, and they lost as well. So, <laughs> you know, n- no one could win. Right. But it, it was really fun watching at a crowded sports bar again and just kind of shooting the shit with random people about Atlanta sports. So Yeah, it's good. It's always good to get back in the bar and have, have those, those those sports times where you start, you you know, talk of a stranger, talk talk about some... Talk about your teams. Talk about oh, how do you why do you care about the Braves or whoever? You know, I always like getting conversations like that. It's been too long. This yeah, silly pandemic. Yep, yeah. So that that was refreshing. Yeah, it's a good point, Adam. I think we uh, put the Hawks to bed for now, probably for the foreseeable future. Schwang. Uh, uh, Schwang, indeed. And we move on to your Atlanta Braves, Adam, who come into today at a third in the NL East with a resounding forty-two and forty-four record, five games behind. The New York Metropolitans. Losers of a series against the worst team in the National League, the Pittsburgh Pirates. But thank God we avoided being the first team swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates all year. Yeah, we did win today. So, or, excuse me, the second worst team. The Diamondbacks are the worst team in the National League. But we got that going for us. Yeah. Which is highly disappointing after big series win against the Mets. You beat DeGrom for Christ's sake even though he struck you out 14 times. Big series win against the Marlins, where you come back down, what, like 7-3 to three or something with a Max Freed walk-off uh, pinch hit. And then you go out and lay absolute egg against two pitchers who have like 5-4 ERAs who suck. You only scored two runs collectively in, in those two games. And then you come out today and score 14. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been pretty classic. That's what's so frustrating about this team. And, like, the offense is the issue right now. And you can't really, like, you understand why. I mean, you look at what our lineup was going into the season. Ozuna, Darno, Gone. Uh, Pache was supposed to be something. Instead, we got Almonte, Heredia. Well, now we got uh, my boy, Arcia. Yeah, he's been good, but I think, I think he's a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. Exactly. He, yeah. he's, he's a guy. He's not the guy. Yeah. But it's just like, that is what this team has been doing. We're either not scoring or we score 20 runs. We score 14 runs. And as soon as, like, hey, we're sniffing 500. Here comes going to two Pittsburgh. losses in a row. Yeah. yeah, just two terrible losses. Like, so frustrating. I wasn't even mad the 2-1 loss on a Tuesday. You were when, mad about that? Well, I wasn't mad at Matzik. Why? Because the offense should score more than one damn run against so, so, that terrible So that team. guy should throw four straight balls and do a walk-off walk. It was what it was. I mean, I wasn't. Matzik wasn't the reason we lost that game. No, we would have we would have lost it. It still sucks. So let me ask you this: Your boy Snicker puts Matzik into a blowout game the day before, where we're getting absolutely destroyed, and then he that. pitches him a high leverage scenario. He doesn't rest him. We also know Matzik has been severely affected by the lack of sunscreen and all the sticky stuff, and yet, well, I don't think we know that for a fact. It's, well, it's his spin his spin rate is down apparently, and he's been struggling recently. So why would you pitch him in a blowout? You don't do that. We pitch him in a blowout because he no. shouldn't be a high leverage guy anymore. Maybe. Well, maybe, but don't use him in a high leverage scenario situation the next day. It's absolutely idiotic. How can you rationalize that logic? Uh, starter only went five innings. Who else are you going to throw? I don't know anyone. Chavez has been really good. He was warming up. Why not put him in? 
You're Jesse Chavez guy now? He's been better than Matzik recently. I don't know. I, I mean, know he, it's like kind of throwing He has sh- been good, but he, he's all like, to use your classic argument, look look at what Jesse Chavez has been over the last seven years. He's a mediocre loser pitcher. Fine. Everybody sucks in the bullpen. Just yeah. don't don't throw a guy one day and say he's not a high leverage guy and then throw him the next game in a very tight scenario. Doesn't make any sense. So you, you Snickers prefer- done this multiple times this year. I do not get his rationale. I do not get it. It's, it's very frustrating. I do not, I will agree, I do not think Matzik is the reason you lose, but it's also a glaring issue that Snicker is doing that. I, I think it's a glaring issue that Matzik has been so terrible his last five outings, then five, don't, six outings. Then don't use him in the ninth inning then. Keep using him in mop-up roles until you know the time presents itself to maybe he gets his confidence back. Poor, yeah. poor management. Yeah, sure. Um, but the point is, I, I want... I'm not mad at the pitching staff in that game. I'm mad at the offense. For sure. Not being able to get it's pathetic. any hits with runners we, in scoring we, position. We were in Albatross um, in, in positions five through nine right now. Five through eight, I will say, because nine is the pitcher, obviously. It's an Albatross. But, you know, not getting anything from anybody on a consistent level. Dansby is also the worst in, term, in terms of qualified Major leaguers has the worst stats in baseball as an away player. He is hitting 191, on base percentage of 256, a slugging percentage of 284, OPS of 540, with three home runs and nine RBI. It's just a, and 48 strikeouts. He is third. He is he has the third most strikeouts in baseball, and he's only 20 strikeouts away from a, from eclipsing his career high. Dansby is a disaster offensively right now. Is that after his three for five day to day as well? Yes. On the road? Mm-hmm. That's promising though, right? Yeah, he did it against the triple A Pirates team. How how do you explain road home splits like that though? I don't know. I have no idea. For a guy that like historically that hasn't been an issue. Unknown. It's, it's just it's really weird. And apparently he didn't really realize it was an issue. Until David Bryan brought it up like a week or two ago. I, I tell you what, though, he's got some serious competition on the roster now with Arcia. Like, yeah, I think that's also a wake-up call a little bit. Even though we need someone else in left field, um, it's still it's still really bad. Well, like I'm I'm a, assuming because we're still what? How many games back are we? Five, five, which is gettable. Yeah, and we are I, so lucky we're in the worst. Remember how we were talking about the NL East is going to be like the best division of baseball? We are the worst division of baseball. Well, yeah. Might be the most competitive. Competitive, but we're the worst. yeah. I, I don't know. We're if the we, worst. Division I don't know if we specified the best in terms of records or right. best in terms of uh, the pennant race, but you know, I'm I'm assuming that we are going to make a move. Mm. Like, I know there's some slight talk about us being sellers, but I I don't think that they can do that to the fan base. Um, I mean, they could. <laughs> Business-wise, though, like they've got the the highest attendance in the majors. Like, I don't, I don't think that they would take that risk. I mean, um, they should. I, I don't know. I mean, this team's kind of dead in the water. You got to make some significant moves if you actually want them to make them a contender. I'd rather, I'd rather you sell and and say, okay, we're done, and we we don't think we can get better. This is who we are. I'd rather sell and get rid of guys like Will Smith and shit like that. Or Charlie Morton, then just drag it out all year and finish the year seventy-eight and eighty-two. I, I, but here's the thing: like we're not 
It's not like we're going to start a rebuild, you know? No, it's not a rebuild. So, you have a lot of great pieces to build around. It's just get rid of, get value for people that you can get value for that it, aren't going to be here for the long term. I don't think you're getting much value for any of those guys. Like I think you can get value for Charlie Morton. Maybe. I, I think you, you call up the Marlins. See if you can get Adam Duvall back. Duvall and Marte. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever the closer is. And let's oh, go. Jimmy Garcia, he's pretty good. Yeah. Even though we touched him up in that uh that Sunday game. He's a good he's a good closer overall. He's had a good season. Um Yeah, you'd you probably have to give up maybe nothing too too significant for that, but that, that would certainly be an influx of talent that we sorely need right now. The point I was going there with is if we get a left fielder or center fielder, Dansby needs to look out for Arcia, big time. Hell yeah, hell yeah, he does. And his defense is still good, but yeah, he's 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 disgusting offensively. He strikes out so much, and he should not be batting that high. He should be hitting eighth. Even, I would even take Kevin Smith over his ass right now in terms of where you position in the batting order. Never thought I'd say that. Yeah, it's 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 weird times, and we suck with runners in scoring position. Um, I think before Sunday, before this Sunday, we were 7 for 52 with runners in scoring position in our last 52 opportunities. Um, it's disgusting. I mean, this is just, a, this, is, this is a chore watching this team right now in terms of how they perform. Yeah, it really is. And obviously it's a massive disappointment to guys like us. You can tell Snickers starting to get frustrated. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's tough to have some of the antics. Uh, like Heredio rutted out there with the swords after the the freed thing, which was freaking hilarious. Oh yeah, it was great. But it's it's kind of like, you know, the whole Donaldson bringer of rain stuff, and then Ozuna before he was uh, an asshole doing the mix it up. You know, yeah, the selfie you could forgive that because we were doing so well. We're winning. It was, it was yeah. good for team chemistry. Run out of the story, even though it's cool. It's like you just walked off against the Marlins. You almost right. lost a series to the Marlins. Come on. I mean, the- Huge comeback win, though. It was. Them. It was. I'm just saying, I don't need the swords after that. Right, right. If, if we're in first place in the division, well, bring out the swords. Not to mention, Heredia was, like, he crossed the foul line with the damn swords before Freed touched first base. Like, that probably isn't legal. I don't know if there's a rule for that. It's it's pretty uncommon to have a baseball player sprint out from the dugout and, uh, you know, with swords. Right. So... But that could uh, like that that would have been the most true to Atlanta. Way that would have been to lose a game. Then I just would never watch like, a game again. It, I mean, just imagine that a starting pitcher gets a walk off pinch hit hit taken away, taken away because your player ran out with swords. But I mean, it's a it's good that to see that the team's at least still having fun. Yeah, like they're still mentally in it. Um, we still have a lot of we have three all stars on this team. Still, it's not like it means nothing. It's not like we're lacking talent, right? Well, we are lacking a lot of talent, I think, in the in the lineup, in the bullpen, and the rotation. We need a few pieces. We need a lot of pieces. The rotation's pretty damn good. Right rotation now. has been a lot better recently. I'll give the rotation their due. I still think, though, if you, which is a stupid thing to talk about, but if you want to contend the playoffs, you need. I think you need one more good starter. Freed Morton's solid, but I'm talking about getting the playoffs. You need you need one more horse that can really go the distance i don't think we have that right now don't believe in ian anderson anderson's is i do believe in ian anderson i would just like one more what about what you've seen from kyle muller so far i like him i like him again imposing frame six seven you do not want to mess with that guy I like his fastball 
I like his ability to locate pitches, um, and he's got a good repertoire. You know, uh, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, mixed up his speeds really well. His fastball is like ninety four to ninety seven, and his curveball is like eighty two. I mean, it's really good. It's really good disparity between uh, you know the pitch speed of the, of the fastball versus his off speed stuff, and he mixes it up really well. He's, you know, he's like Anderson in the sense I think he's a cerebral pitcher. I know he got sent down, but it was just because the Braves didn't need him for the until uh, after the All Star break. So he'll be back. And they said he'll be back. I like Muller a lot. Um, he really snuck up on me. He was not a guy on my radar as much, but um, after looking into a scouting report, watching him pitch a couple times, I'm on board the Muller train. Yeah, no, he's looked really solid. And the good news is we will have reinforcements coming back and Travis Tarnot. Let's, let's talk about the, the catching position, Adam. We call up Jonathan Lucroy today, uh, who had a good game. You know, for those that don't remember, Lucroy was a beast for the Brewers a while ago, like five or six years ago, two-time All-Star. Used to be one of the better hitting catchers around. Faded considerably over the last couple of years. I think he's only playing like six games in he's the last thir- season or 35. something. Yeah, he's getting older. He's got a lot of mileage on those legs. But we're so desperate at this point um, because Contreras has completely fallen off the cliff offensively now. He was already over the cliff defensively, but now he's just – he can't do anything. As rookies do when yeah. the scouting report catches up. Yeah, and that's that's fine. But, like, we are literally at the point now where we have Jonathan Lucroy as pretty much our main catcher. And that's just – that's that sucks. I think Keevan Smith is going to be the main catcher. Either way, that sucks. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not ideal. <laughs> I mean, you lose your cleanup hitter, starting catcher, it's not going to be great for you. No. You know? No. Um, but it's just like – it was even crazier, too. Remember, we signed Tyler Flowers, and then he couldn't come back from an injury or something, so he just straight-up retired, which is fine. I mean, I'm not blaming him at all. But it's just like anything that could go wrong with the catching unit this year has gone horrifically wrong. Yeah, I, I do feel better with Luke Croy in there, at least as a, a steady veteran. You, you should have heard Joe Simpson on the radio today when mm-hmm. he laid down a bunt that led sure, to us scoring nuts. some runs. Oh, yeah. man, he, they, he was stoked. So, I mean, at least he could do something like that. Because, honestly, it's like... We have been terrible at a lot of the fundamentals of baseball this yeah, year. Yeah, we're, we're base running, bunning, even some defensive miscues. It, it's, it's a weird – feels like there's just a haze over this team that has – I mean, which makes sense. They've had a rough year. Lose Darno, lose Ozuna. Soroka's screwed forever, seemingly. Um, no, we haven't even talked about that. Soroka retears his ACL just walking to SunTrust Park. Who knows when he's going to come back, if ever. Um, yep, you know, hits have just we have been hit and we are still down. We have not gotten up yet. Not to say we can't. It's just kind of like we got to make Anthopolis has got to make some moves, significant moves, in order to get this team back in contention. I know we're not out of it as we are, but I think everybody in the world knows that the way this team is currently constructed, even getting Darno back in August, uh, it won't matter. We'll, we'll still be pretty terrible. Are just mediocre. So get out there, Anthopolis. Hopefully those cheap asses at Liberty Media will give you some money to work with. Yeah, so three more games left until the All-Star break. We're back in Florida. And that's been the other thing with this team is like... We can't beat the Marlins. We're terrible against the Marlins, but like we can beat the Mets. We right. can beat the Dodgers. Like We're showing up against the good teams and just not showing up against the bad teams like the damn Pirates. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. So hopefully that will right itself eventually. Yeah, which is frustrating, too, considering all the bullshit we've talked about, all the injuries, everything else. We can still run with some of the better teams when we you know, put our best foot forward. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's certainly tough coming off the excitement that was the Hawks run and then 
just getting frustrated by watching the Braves so far. Yeah. But I've I've not lost faith yet, Junior. Yeah, I'm not like I don't think we're dead in the water, but I think mean, things got to change. Yeah, thank thank God the Mets have blown a massive opportunity to just completely put oh, us they away. Should, they, should, they should be steamrolling us. They should be up 15 games on everybody right now. Yeah. Yeah, I hope we can just finish finish up well against the Marlins. Um, hopefully they don't hit Acuna again on the first pitch of the game. I'm really tired of Don Manley's ass. And, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to be 500 or better going in the All-Star break. It's just possible. It is. We'd have to sweep them, right? Yes. I don't see it happening, but hey. No. <laughs> stranger things have happened. And I think that wraps up this week's episode of Atlanta's Own Adam. Wow. Very fair. Yeah. Good to be back in the chair with you, Graham. Indeed. Uh, this is much needed to get back in the swing of things after our long sojourn to Florida. Well, folks, we hope you're doing well out there. We'll see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. House of Thomas. Believe in Blue Land. Very awesome. <laughs> <laughs>